This is Confessions of a Closet Romantic, a podcast where I celebrate my favorite romantic movies, TV shows, books, and talk in detail about why I love them so much, without embarrassment or shame, mostly. This is Poppy, and in this episode, The Romantic Spectrum, Romance with a Difference, The Kiss Quotient, The Bride Test, and Doc Martin. I live with a chronic illness, so I usually avoid movies or romances with themes of illness or disability because art is my escape, not a place to experience what I struggle with every day. And many representations feel shallow and exploitative, like drawing a random short straw in life is somehow inspirational or a triumph of the spirit, when people with physical, mental, or emotional challenges are simply trying to accept what is and get through the day like everyone else. No heroism involved. I've been reading lots of contemporary romances, working my way down through my to-be-read pile, enjoying myself immensely, but like I said in my recent Love, Sex, and Romance Over 40 edition episode, I get a little tired of reading about able-bodied, fit, young people finding hot romance. I would say that makes up the main characters in at least 90% of the contemporary romances out there, as if they're the only ones who can or should or deserve to enjoy these things. So I finally got around to reading two highly recommended romances, The Kiss Quotient and The Bride Test by Helen Wong. And the author starts the book by revealing that she lives with autism. What's so cool about this is that for the heroine in The Kiss Quotient, the challenges of her autism are a springboard, not presented for inspiration, but wait for it. Super sizzling hot action and fun and humor. Zero pity involved. Okay, here's the setup for the kiss quotient. Stella is a bright, beautiful, successful Asian American woman who lives with autism and has been humiliated by some past partners who've said she's not good at sex. And now sex, even kissing, freaks her out. So she hires Michael, a popular Asian-American escort, to teach her the art of seduction and making love. Oh, yeah. A funny look crossed his face. It's just me, Stella. You smell this good? Apparently. You're the first to comment on it. I want this smell all over me. As the words left her mouth, she worried she'd said the wrong thing. That statement had sounded a little too personal, a little strange. Would he notice how strange she really was? He bent down so his lips hovered a hair's breadth away from her ear and whispered, Are you sure you're bad at sex? What do you mean by that? It means, so far you're very good at it. Her fingers flexed on his arm, and she battled the urge to press herself against him like a stripper on a pole. It bewildered her. She was not at all stripperish, and, unlike him, she actively disliked touching. But she craved connection so much, 
She hurt with it. So far, we haven't done anything yet. You're very good at the talking part. I've had sex. There isn't a talking part. A spark danced in his eyes. There's definitely a talking part. Please don't let there be a talking part. There was no hope for her if it involved talking. So far, he gathered her hair to one side and brushed a fleeting kiss behind her ear. It happened so quickly that by the time her body tensed up, he'd already pulled away. When he didn't move to repeat the caress, her muscles relaxed once again. The place where he'd kissed her burned with awareness. Without touching her skin, he stroked his fingers over her hair. Slow, measured movements that swept from her crown, past her neck, and down her back. The motions calmed her even as they put her on edge. I think you should kiss me, he said in a husky voice. Her heart squeezed tight, and her skin pricked with panic. She was a horrible kisser. Her awkward attempts were sure to embarrass them both. On the mouth? The corner of said mouth kicked up. Wherever you want to. The mouth is usually a good place to start. Maybe I should brush my teeth. I can do that right. He pressed a thumb to her lips, silencing her. But his eyes were gentle. That touch, too, was gone before it fully registered in her brain. Let's try this another way. Do you want to see my tattoo? Her mind eagerly switched gears, jumping from fear straight to excitement. Yes. He's so gorgeous he could star in a K-drama. But he's not only hot and obviously great in the sack, but he's a kind, empathetic human being who's put up some walls himself. But he's touched by her struggles over these rejections, and he breaks one of his rules that helps him keep his distance from clients so he can help her. Oh, Michael, he's a sweet, sweet cinnamon roll. The whole story becomes the dreamiest of romances, full of acceptance, affection, passion, and mutual respect. The Kiss Quotient is book one in this short series, which features a large extended Vietnamese-American family, some of whom live with autism as adults. This situation is treated like any other differences within a large extended family. The love and support the characters get in this series are treated as part of the normal flow of any family. It's not a big deal, but it's also not nothing. The Bride Test is book two. Apparently book three is close to being released. How, how to describe this insanely absorbing book, especially in audiobook form. I was so swept away by the story of Kai, a super successful, stunningly handsome Silicon Valley accountant who also lives with autism. He's Michael's cousin, so that's how he knew how he might help Stella. Kai becomes a workaholic and avoids all entanglements until his mother returns from her trip to Vietnam, having invited a beautiful Vietnamese woman to spend the summer with them because she's perfect for Kai. The way this story unwraps 
it exposes so much beautiful interior life for both of the main characters. And I gobbled this audiobook up in one massive 10-hour sitting. Kai has lived with misguided criticism of his behavior all his young life, so he just decides in his 20s that he's not designed for romantic love. Oh, the I've given up on love, just try to change my mind trope. How I love you. Let me add, this audiobook narrator is everything. I'll link to her in the show notes. Don't miss the audio version of this book. The way she reads the main characters just melts my bones. Step, 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 step. The footsteps sounded heavy. Male. Was it the groom? A hotel janitor? What was the most embarrassing thing that could happen? Knowing her stinky luck, she should expect that. Kai strode into the room. She pressed her forehead to the closet door in defeat. Of course it was him. He scanned the room and sat in an empty armchair across from the closet. After taking a sip of his Coca-Cola, he set it on the floor by his feet and continued reading the book with the spaceship and alien demon thing on the cover. She almost groaned in frustration. She couldn't continue hiding in the closet waiting for him to finish reading when he was reading waiting for her. She had to walk out and explain herself. How could she word things so he didn't laugh as much? He reached for his Coke can, but as he was lifting it to his mouth, his gaze caught on something. Following his line of sight, she saw her discarded dress and shoes. Did he recognize them? Oh no, was he drawing certain conclusions? There was nothing for it. She had to come out and explain herself. She pressed her palms to the closet door, preparing to push it open. But Kai jumped to his feet. He angled his head to the side like he was listening to something. That was when she heard it. Stumbling footsteps in the adjoining room. They came closer. And closer. A loud thump sounded, like someone had slammed themselves against the wall. A moan. Kai backed away from the door. He contemplated the window before his gaze locked on the closet. Another thump on the wall. The footsteps grew louder. Another moan. In three long strides, he crossed the room and yanked the closet door open. His jaw fell when he saw her, but there wasn't time for surprise. He shut himself in the closet with her right as a couple stumbled through the door. Naked. That was the only thought Kai's brain was capable of. Naked. He looked at her for less than a second before he shut them both in the closet, but it had been enough to see almost everything. Bare shoulders, full breasts that threatened to overflow the cage of her arms, tucked in waist, lush hips, and white cotton panties with a little bow in the middle. Delete, delete, delete. He squeezed his eyes shut as he tried to erase the image from his mind. 
but that made the sounds from the other side of the closet door louder. Heavy breathing, wet kissing sounds, hands on fabric, the zip of pants coming undone. Oh, fuck. Were they doing what he thought they were doing? He looked through the slats and saw the couple intertwined on the floor. He didn't recognize the woman, but her blonde hair marked her as a friend of the family. With his jerry curls and red leather jacket, the man couldn't be mistaken as anyone other than his cousin Van. Maybe he was pursuing his fourth marriage now. Kai had no clue how that look worked so well for his cousin. The two moaned simultaneously before their bodies began writhing rhythmically. Damn it. Kai turned away from the slats, but then he was looking at Esme again. Light spilled in alluring stripes over her smooth skin, outlining the length of her neck, the ripe curve of her breast, and rule number six. He covered his eyes with a hand and wished he was anywhere else in the world. He'd had enough of thinking about Andy, making people cry, and wanting Esme. Antarctica would be a good change of pace. Glacial mountain peaks, barren expanses of pristine snow, emptiness, calm, the smallness of man. Oh, wow, 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 the woman cried out. Wowie! Kai's focus shattered, and he dropped his hand away from his eyes. Wowie? Really? What the hell was Van doing out there? A smothered choking sound drew his attention before he could spy on the couple again, and he found Esme's shoulders shaking as she left into her palm. He supposed it was kind of funny, but he never laughed along with her. She'd taken an arm away from her chest, and he swore he could almost see one of her nipples. He wasn't sure with all the shadows, but there was a dark hell. He was in hell. He stared at the wall, trying his best not to respond to the live porn both outside and inside the closet. It was impossible. The woman's cries kept getting louder. Did Esme make those sounds? He hoped she didn't say wowie. But something else. Like maybe... His name. His entire body hardened at the thought, and his skin went ultra-sensitive. His pulse sped up. He attempted to put more space between them, but the side of the closet brought him up short. There was no escape. How much longer could this go on? Were Van and his lady trying to set some sort of world record? Eventually, the noises came to a horrible crescendo and then quieted. Van tottered drunkenly to his feet and helped his partner up. They straightened their clothes with awkward conversation and disappeared. Kai waited for a count of sixty before he pushed the closet door open and walked out. He took a breath, and the air smelled like... No, he wasn't going to think about what the air smelled like. An involuntary shudder coursed through him. Esme followed him out of the closet. Her cheeks reddened to a fantastic lobstery sheen and went to get her green dress and shoes. He thought they looked familiar. Keeping her back to him, she stepped into her dress and pulled it up. 
A woman's back wasn't one of the restricted body parts mentioned in the footnotes of the rules, so he let himself look. But it still felt like rule-breaking. The curve at the base of her spine was one of the most elegant things he'd ever seen. Help me? she asked, looking at him over her shoulder. His feet took him to her on their own. As his heart pounded loudly in his ears, he fumbled with the zipper and pulled it along the graceful line of her back, covering her perfect skin. When he finished, she turned around, and their eyes met. I wanted to wear the wedding dress, she whispered. But I couldn't reach it. He glanced at the wedding gown hanging on the curtain rod. Yeah, she was definitely too short for that. Do you want me to get it down for you? A smile worked over her face, one of those mind-scrambling, breathtaking smiles that made her eyes greener. He'd caused that smile. The knowledge sent warmth melting through him. To say these amazingly rich, layered, heartwarming romances are page-turners is a huge understatement. I'd also say that they're the very best examples of what romance can achieve. They are literally heart and soul expanding. Helen Huang treats all differences, cultural or physical, with respect. These characters aren't pity porn. They're people with multiple facets, like all of us. Like any differences that can take us out of the flow of life, the television show Doc Martin is a fish-out-of-water story and a dramedy about an esteemed surgeon who moves to a seaside village from London because he's developed some phobias, namely an aversion to blood. So he becomes the reluctant nude village GP. Not that they're happy about it because he's such a grump. His abrasiveness and awkwardness might be due to being on the spectrum, though it's never articulated. Mrs. Walker. Marianne, please. Am I your first official patient? Uh, indeed you are, yes. Collect a thousand loyalty points, you get a free coffin. You're a GP? Uh, that's right, yes. And you're a receptionist. Excuse me, come back here. Can't park in the staff car park. I've a patient to see. Is it me, or do you not understand plain English? It's you. Let's have a look at you. Oh, yes, this, uh, this leg will have to come off. <laughs> but don't worry, modern anaesthetics, you won't feel a thing. Just kidding. Don't look so upset. Breathe in. Hello. I have done some reading. Have you done a medical degree? No. Well, shut up then. Next. Can we just have a fresh eating bug for one more day? Nope, bend over. Well, do you feel that? Wow, well, I didn't feel a thing. That's because I haven't done anything yet. Eh? Ow! There you go. <sighs> I can't keep him home. I've got to work. 
We'll get your husband to help. Oh, sure. If I mention him for Tiger, we'll ditch his girlfriend straight away, drive overnight from Glasgow and give our marriage one more try. Good. Barbman. That's an endearing local term for barmy, right? Well, someone who's barman is, well, it's kind of like, well, the thing is, okay, now, what happens is, yeah, treat yourself to a noun. It's someone who goes wandering. Martin's curmudgeonly ways are a huge source of comedy, but there's also drama, misunderstandings, and plenty of romance involving Louisa, a beautiful elementary school teacher. She's very attracted to the doc, who's obviously attracted to her, but she finds him difficult to know, and so many of their interchanges are so awkward, and he's hopeless at reading the room. What's wonderful about the arc of this series is, despite his initial derision towards the villagers and their suspicion of him, the Doc is gradually accepted into village life because they've already accepted each other in all their quirky humanity. Doc Martin's relationship with Louisa deepens and becomes a focal point of the action, and the challenges of intimacy with an adult on the spectrum are never whitewashed. It's presented as completely natural, though, that they'd work through those differences. If you've got a problem with me, don't take it out on treasure. I don't know what you mean. I can't keep apologizing for your behavior. Then don't. I didn't ask you to. Why do you have to upset everyone? When you're with your patients, why can't you make an effort? Just smile. Try some small talk. Have a laugh. Sick people don't want to laugh. They want a doctor who knows what he's doing. They want a bedside manner. A bedside manner can't cure you. It makes them feel better. Oh, it can diagnose an illness, can it? Write a prescription? You know what I mean. Please, for once, just agree with me. You do know what I'm trying to say. Actually, I find you hard to understand at the best of times. Very little of what you say or, or do makes much sense to me. What are we talking about? Are we... Are we talking about... What? What are we talking about? I'm not quite sure. Doc Martin can be difficult to stream in the U.S., I'll try to put a link in the show notes. I'm betting many UK listeners have already seen it, but it's worth seeking out. It's easily one of my favorite television shows from the past 20 years. The scripts and the characters are also so rich and layered and simultaneously funny and touching, just like the best romances in life. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope you'll consider clicking share from your podcast app or following me or telling a romance-loving friend about it. Special thanks to BRF McKay and Monique for your recent reviews on Apple Podcasts. I am so glad you enjoy the show. And bonjour, hello to my listeners in France and Austria. Find show notes with links to what I've been babbling about at confessionsofaclosetromantic.com. It is so nice to have your company. Until next time, wishing you shame-free romance full of the differences that make us all human.